0: Welcome to the Content Creators Guide. This is a place where we expand our knowledge on what it takes to be successful in an ever-expanding world of content creation. Join me as I sit down with individuals sharing their success stories and tips that help them get over the hurdles they faced on their journey to creation success. All right, let's create. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Content Creators Guide. I will be your host, Patrick Conway, also known in other circles as Jaxis. Today we will be talking to the creator of the very successful Once Upon a Wasteland. It's up to 25,000 downloads, almost to 30. And the voice of the one and only Modus of the Modus Files, a show now in the 50K download range and constantly growing. Please welcome Brad Williams.
1: Welcome, Brad. Hey, Patrick, thanks so much for having me. Oh,
0: it's a pleasure. I am so glad you gave me your time today. All right, folks, um, i kind of like to get right into the meat of what I'm doing here. Uh, so what the show is all about here is I try to make it to where people can see from a perspective of somebody who's successful in what they do as to how they went through it and some of the trials and tribulations and some of the technical stuff that helped them Uh, Along the way that they, you know, obviously we hit a lot of bumps in the road trying to get successful at doing these, you know, different forms of content creation and trying to smooth that out for people coming up behind us. First thing I wanted to ask you is what inspired you to get into content creation in the first place?
1: Well, um, so a long time ago about, I mean, it's, it's going on 30 years now. I first started to get into screenwriting. And I was also doing some acting, some narration, some some stuff like that. But unfortunately, that kind of uh, went by the wayside. And I decided, after a few trials and tribulations, to kind of uh, you know get a day job basically, and kind of and, and abandon that that dream. Uh, and for I guess probably from about uh, 1996 or 1997 mm-hmm. up until last year, I didn't really write or create anything. I just kind of didn't. I, it was something that I, that I just put away and, and didn't really think much about. Still thought about things like that and, and those, those kinds of things, but it wasn't, it wasn't something that I was actively pursuing anymore. And I also even kind of got out of doing any kind of VA stuff, no narration, no VO work, no commercials, none of that kind of thing. I really kind of abandoned that whole, that whole side of things. But then Lawrence from the Modus Files put a post up in Reddit asking for voice actors for his show. And this was, I guess, right around episode three, I think it was, when he first started to have other people in the show and, and actually, you know, fill it out more like an audio drama. So I answered that post and I auditioned for the role of Modus and he liked what I did. I got involved with that. And through that process... Uh, I had introduced Lawrence, you know, we, we had discussed story ideas and, and backgrounds for OCs and those kinds of things. And, and Lawrence, is an in, he's an extremely encouraging person. And he and I went, kind of went back and forth with talking about the story of my OC and developing some some really s- small stories and just little vignettes about that character. And it got to the point eventually where he said, you know, you should really consider doing an audio drama podcast like Modus Files. And I thought, well, you know, that would be cool because I like I, I liked writing. I liked being a screenwriter. Creating things is fun. It was it's it was one of those things that I guess I just I, I never thought I would want to do it again. But I think going through that process and seeing how how good Modus Files was and is, I think kind of that that also kind of greased the wheels a little bit for making me want to do it. So I wrote a couple scenes to start off just to kind of get the get the ball rolling a little bit, get into the characters' heads and then from there it just developed out into a a full season arc and then i could figure out the the arc of each of the the plots that happens throughout the season and from that point you work on what happens in each episode so it's 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 a process where you start from that that fifty thousand foot overview and you, (laughs) you slowly get more and more granular as you go on and then of course there's all the ancillary stuff like casting which is Perhaps the most important thing that you that you do as a part of this process, and music and sound effects and how do you edit an episode and all these things that I had never done before. Um, the last editing I did of any kind was on a three quarter inch uh, video tape real real? deck. No, not real or real, but <laughs> oh. it, it wasn't that old. But no, the the, the old um, the old U-matic videotapes, the ones that are you know like the size of your house, basically. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that, that's that's how long it had been since I had edited anything. So so that was certainly a a, a a kind of a difficult thing to 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 wrap my head around at first. But I think with Lawrence's help and and the help of quite a few other people, that uh, that that process went a lot faster than it would have otherwise.
0: Yeah, I mean, very inspirational individual. Actually, he's been a great mentor to me as well. What was the hardest hurdle uh, for you getting started?
1: I think the the hardest part about getting started is is executing on it like it's one thing to write your scripts it's one thing to get all your ducks in a row for production like buying the editing software you need or getting a subscription for music and sound effects but for me i think once i got to the point of involving other people when i started the casting process that's when that's i think kind of that do or die moment because like it's one thing to waste my time if something isn't going to be successful or if something isn't going to get off the ground. And one thing that I've, that I've seen is the, the, the side of the road is littered with the corpses of productions that never, n- that never got released. Never got so, made to fruition. Yeah, yeah ex- exactly. So, <laughs> so if, if, if I waste my time doing something like that, that's fine, who cares? It's, it's my time to waste. But if I bring in other people, that's when you have to commit. That's when you are in it for the, for the long haul, whatever you consider that long haul to be. And for me, I was committing to a season of 10 episodes. I knew that once I brought everybody in, once we started recording and all that kind of thing, that I was going to do at least that. So that that do or die moment and pulling the trigger on that, I think was that was the hardest early decision. But in terms of what was the most difficult in, in terms of, of doing it, there's a lot of, not exactly self-doubt, but maybe some second-guessing. As you're going through this this process, did I write a good story? Have I cast the right people? All you those... have, by the way. Well,
0: uh, I, it was an incredible show.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I got I got really lucky with the cast. I, I gotta say, um, uh, Vitriol, who plays Odessa, I asked Lawrence to put me in contact with her based on the Halloween episode because I thought, you know, I mean, she 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 hit that one out of the ballpark so i heard that i was like i want her to be my odessa and i had had some auditions come through and there were some that were pretty good but none of them really did it for me but i heard that and i was like okay she's perfect for it and then letitia reached out to lawrence about the show so she was interested in playing the role of beth and of course obviously she was perfect i never expected to get somebody like her for for that role and then lucy came in as amanda which that's another thing i it's, I guess, a quirk of how different people produce. Some people like to write everything out and plot everything out pretty meticulously throughout the, the course of an entire season or even longer than that. And I don't like to do that. I prefer to kind of do it as I go along. Shoot with the hip. Well, kind of. I mean, I, I do have an idea in terms of major story beats, but I mean in terms of what specifically happens in each episode or each chapter. And that paid off because I got Lucy to play Amanda. And Lucy, I mean, everybody, anybody who's listened to my show or Modus Files know that Lucy's an absolute superstar. So that that changed the way I wrote Amanda. The role became bigger. And the way that I uh, formed that character also changed a little bit so that it, it suited Lucy more. Because I knew I had a great performer in that role. So I wanted to make sure that I took advantage of that as much as I could. So all those, all those kinds of things. But yeah, th- th- there is some some self-doubt that creeps in when you when you start off like because you you have to there's certain things that you have to get right at the beginning. You have to the casting is something you have to get right at the beginning. The overall formation of the story is something you have to get right at the beginning because those things can not really be corrected. You can pivot on the story to some extent, but really you have to you have to put the foundational things in place. So you gotta you gotta make sure you do that and, and you're never sure if you do until it gets out there.
0: And you got lucky with the chemistry between the three of them, actually. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, as a listener, I found them to blend together very well.
1: Yeah. We were actually just talking about that the other day, the, uh, the three of us and, and vitriol was, was talking about how it really does sound like they're in a room together and they're not even on the same continent. Like the, the actors aren't even on the same continent, but it really does sound like a conversation. And and that's down to a few things. That's, you know, number one, the skill of the actors is, is, is paramount for that because it's it's definitely a skill and it's something that takes practice to be able to record one half of a conversation without hearing the other half and still make it sound like you're talking to somebody because and not to make it sound like you're reading right, right. <laughs> yeah and and, and that's and a show like this it's emotion is an important part of it so you really can't have people except in, in very specific circumstances you can't have people that are coming off as cold so I think that that's another that 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 is a good thing, a really good thing to point out. This one I think would suffer more from that kind of a read than than a lot of other shows might, just because you know that it's it's all character and it's all interplay and dynamics and relationships. Whereas if it's if it's more of a sort of a scientific piece or a, a more, uh, I don't want to say plot driven because it makes it sound like my show doesn't have a plot, but more. Um, uh, action driven maybe you can you can maybe get away with that a little bit but with this one you definitely could not and so in that in that regard i got i got very lucky well
0: uh, you definitely have a character driven piece I, that's the way i saw it mm-hmm. you know the characters definitely pull the story along mm-hmm. uh, yeah and,
1: and and it's really a matter of, you, you write what you know and and i even back in in days of yore, that's that's what i knew i could I could write, something that I had a good understanding of was characters, how people talk, how people interact, how dynamics between people work and relationships, whether they're family relationships, whether they're romances, whether they're friendships, and whether they're you know rivalries or even that kind of thing. That's something that I feel like I have a pretty solid handle on, so I knew that that's what should drive a story. If I'm going to tell the best story I can tell, that's what has to drive it.
0: Okay. Um, So my next question is, is what do you found that works best in regard of your show for mic and sound quality?
1: That's something that I learned a little bit as I went along. One thing that that helped was the folks that that did the lead roles had good equipment and good spaces to record. And so I didn't need to do a lot of editing, but I did discover that there's certain plugins and there's certain editing techniques that, that help that part of it. So, uh, for example, uh, the, the two plugins or plugin suites that I use for editing for the most part for dialogue are clarity VX, which is by waves, which is a neural, uh, noise reduction plugin. And I also use isotope RX nine, which has a number of different plugins within it that can do a number of different things for, uh, to, to, to make a dialogue track sound good or better. And there is, that's, that's a thing. I mean, when you're, when you're doing something where people are recording in different locations with different equipment, what they record is going to sound different. There's no way around that. So making things sound, this sound similar enough. To, so it sounds like they're in the same place is very important to what we were talking about before where, so it sounds like they're in the same room. Uh, another part of that is I EQ all the tracks the same way. I use the same preset plugin in Logic Pro for all my voice tracks and that's another area so so the you know the, each free, each track has the same sort of frequencies pulled up or pulled down which also helps and i use the same kind of reverb on every track so that that also helps kind of grease the wheels in 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 that regard another trick i use <laughs> is i always have an ambient track behind dialogue
0: yes that's so, a good way to mask things <laughs> exactly it's, it
1: covers and and you don't want it to be you know you don't want to make it sound like they're standing next to a jet engine but I have a sp- like I have a, a specific one where if I'm at Ford Atlas I, I use this particular ambient track and if I'm outside I use this ambient track that has birds singing um if I'm in somebody's house I have a quiet room tone hump those kinds of things which I think they can cover some some sins that may exist in dialogue tracks that I can't fix via editing but they will also make, just i think subconsciously the the listener will grow to understand where something is taken taking place by those those sound cues
0: i found that it also helped me like when i was first starting out i was doing like intros for shows and things like that i didn't realize how much background noise like my fan or something like that would do so i found that if i before i discovered noise reduction and understanding how it worked um i would put music or something behind something to hide that mm-hmm. sound, that background sound. And that's how I did that kind of thing.
1: Yeah. And and, and when I record stuff myself, I, I have sound treatment and I, I have a particular couple of mics that I like to use. I'm not using any of my, my VO mics. Now I'm using a Nogato wave three, which is my, my streaming mic. Cause that's good for, for these kinds of situations. But uh, if I'm using a condenser, which is what I use for most of my voiceover stuff, I use a Rode NT1, which what I like about that mic is it's, it has a very flat profile, so it doesn't emphasize the bass. It doesn't have it doesn't emphasize the the top end either. It's a true sounding mic, so it sounds like my voice. I know a lot of people like, especially if you, if people use the the Shure SM7B, which is one of the most popular dynamic mics in the space. They like the fact that if you lean into it, you get that. It's called the the rate uh, the um, proximity effect where if you lean in it emphasizes the bass and you get that kind of radio dj hey this is you know it's time for weather on the fives you know those that kind of thing and i i specifically didn't want that and so that that's why i chose the mics i did now when i use a dynamic i don't use a sure sm7b i use an electro voice re20 which again very similarly is a pretty flat mic that makes it easier to EQ. And it also sounds more like my voice. What I want to do if I'm giving somebody a vocal track for something that I'm doing, I want to make it easy for them to make it sound like they need it to sound. So I don't want to, like, I won't EQ it myself or anything like that. I want it to to go to them so they can do what they need to do to it, rather than sort of trying to impose my will and trying to sound like something that, uh, that it may not be. Do you still put a little bit of noise reduction on it or you just give it to them flat? Uh, it depends on I I will listen back to it sometimes I do have to run it through clarity to to get a little bit of background noise out but sometimes I'll send it to him I'll send it to him straight and a lot of times it's also down it's also down to the the preferences of the director because some people some directors will tell you don't even nr it like just send it to me flat I'll take care of it if there's a little bit of hum Uh, and in that case that's what you know obviously I'll do whatever the director asks and you know I'll, I'll send it to him but uh, part of it is after when I listen to it, if I feel like it needs some NR, then then I'll throw it in there. But I, what I found is audacity's NR, and I, I have never used audacity, but I did use it briefly before I found rx nine to try to do some noise reduction. And I found that it's it's like a sledgehammer and it yeah. really it, it pulls too much of the voice out. so I, I I personally would not use that to to try to do noise reduction on something that I wanted to sound professional there i think if maybe if there's a s- relatively small amount of noise it might work okay but it, it really thins it out if there's any appreciable amount of noise and rx9 doesn't do that clarity clarity vx also doesn't do that it's, it's a much more surgical way
0: yeah because I, I mean I, I used audacity when i started out and i'm still using it because mm-hmm. that's the only thing i've known how to use and it was free <laughs> you know so i went with that and it helped me to learn how to edit because i had to teach myself how to edit for doing podcasts and things of that nature. Mind you, uh, it, it seems to work very well. I've had a lot of people recommend Adobe auditions, but mm-hmm. I've, I've actually never even heard of the one you were talking about. So,
1: well, logic pro is it's Mac only. So um, that, that may be why, but it's, it's oh. pretty wide. It's, it's pretty widely used and, and Adobe audition is great. I, I like Adobe products, but I do not like Adobe's subscription model. If it wasn't for that, I, I would have strongly considered audition if I could buy it outright, but you can't. And I, if I can avoid it, I don't do subscription pricing on stuff. Like for Photoshop, I, I know people will evangelize GIMP and other products. I've been using Photoshop since version 2.0, and I'll pay the 10 bucks a month for it. But other other than that, I will I will avoid subscription models like the plague. And Logic Pro, I, I bought, I own it. It gets updated, and, and it's and it's a great uh, it's a it's a great dog.
0: No, is Logic Pro uh, that that's the one that's Mac only?
1: Yep, yep. Okay. It's an Apple. Right. It's an Apple product, and it, it goes hand in hand with Final Cut Pro, which I also have for video editing.
0: Okay, so that that's good for any of my Mac listeners. They mm-hmm. got a good idea of what they can use. So,
1: yeah, and 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 another thing too, if if they have the ability to get an academic discount, you can get Final Cut Pro and Logic Pro in a package for two hundred bucks. Whereas if you don't, they're three hundred bucks each. Ouch. Yeah, that's mm, good. but worth it.
0: Okay, so um, well, I guess that kind of covers my next question: was uh, what would you recommend
1: for editing your show? But <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, a, a lot of people have had a lot of successful Audacity, and I'm certainly not going to sit here and and dump on it. Um, it's 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 a very good uh, digital audio workstation. Uh, I personally found it a little bit clunky to to work with, so. You know, I like the way the workflows work in Logic Pro a lot better, and I, I just I just found it easier to use for for me. So the investment was was definitely worth it. But a lot of people make a lot of great shows that sound awesome using Audacity. So I, I I'd never say a bad word about it.
0: Uh, as a matter of fact, I think Lawrence uses Audacity because uh, mm-hmm. I think he tried to go to audition and it was Greek to him. You yeah, know? and I I haven't tried to audition yet myself, so I think that's one thing I will be trying just mm-hmm. to see I, so I can have the experience to be able to speak on it. But yeah, I mean, well, I think, I
1: think you should buy a Mac and get logic Pro. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right, folks. Um, uh, thank you for listening to the show. This is our mid break. I just want to thank all of the Patreon listeners that give us their support. Uh, if you have not yet, and would like to please follow, like subscribe, and be sure to write us a review for the show. Also, Uh, Send us an email with your comments and your questions at ccreatorsguide at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at ccreatorsguide. And then uh, we will be right back after this message and a short clip from today's talent.
1: friendly reminder board game tuesdays are no laughing matter
0: welcome back everyone so would you like to set everybody up with that clip let them know what it's about
1: yeah absolutely so we talked a little bit about how the show is about relationships of various kinds and this one is an important moment from the sixth episode so i guess it's a little bit of a spoiler but i think it's enough of a of a moment on an island that it's okay to listen to it and it won't totally ruin what's going on. I think the promotional materials for the show in the background stuff kind of indicate where that whole story is going. But it's a scene where our two lead characters uh, approach an important milestone in their relationship. And it's it's a dance in two senses, right? It's literally a dance where they're, you know, they're dancing to, to a song. But they're also dancing in terms of their conversation and in terms of the way that the dynamic of their relationship is shifting. And both of them are kind of dealing with the fact that they, they're they sure about how they feel about each other, but they're not entirely sure about whether and how they should proceed because of how... Things have played out. I was in about to lives. say the
0: approach, right? <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. So, and, and one of the things that I that I say, not just with this scene, but in general, the way that I construct dialogue is like a dance. I I, I feel strongly that, that that's how conversation should be, and a really good scene, for from my perspective, if if, if I can write it well, it's almost like a quadrille, like it's a it's a, a an intricate dance between the participants in the conversation where each of them has their own role to play and their own moves to make. So I think it, this was a, uh, I, I liked the idea of using a literal and a metaphorical dance to establish what was, what was happening at this point in their relationship. And this closes out episode six and leads into some, some fun stuff in, in episode seven at the beginning. It kind of turns everything on its head. So I, I'm very proud of that scene. Um, well, it's, that's not the full scene. I'm very proud of that part of that scene. It's one of the favorite things that that I that I put in the entire season. I think there's there is a speech in episode nine, and then there is a moment very close to the end of episode ten that are also things that I'm very proud of. But those are both very spoilery, so I, I they're not something that I I would be able to share. Um, <laughs> but but this but this one I think is. I, it is a spoiler i suppose like i said but it's 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 not anything that's 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 too surprising and the fact that it happens in episode six and not right at the end of the season there's certainly a lot that can happen between episode six and the end of the show that could tr- throw everything into into turmoil and every good romance has to have a little bit of turmoil in it
0: got to know when to step in and step back mm-hmm. <laughs> all right folks here's the clip mm-hmm.
2: I think they're playing our song. Shall we? We have a song? Nah, I just always wanted to say that. (laughs) You're a a good dancer. Only on slow songs. I'm a bit of a disaster when the tempo gets too fast. Unless it's a tango. Ooh. Will you teach me? I would love to, but... Um... What? You know that the tango is a... dance of passion. I know. It's my parents' favorite dance. It's special to me. But I've never found the right partner to try it with myself. Not even with your former fiancé? Derek wasn't a dancer. He was more like a linebacker. (laughs) I see But I don't want to talk about Derek right now Of course, I'm sorry It's alright I just want to stay in this moment With you That's what I want too Just us I'm not even sure there's anyone else here I only see you What should we do when the song is over? I am not ready for this night to end It doesn't have to we're both grown-ups. We don't have a curfew. We don't need permission. We never have. Just from ourselves. And each other. Beth. Yes, Odessa? When this song is over, I want you to take me home. We could have a glass of wine. Maybe a bite to eat. That's exactly what I had in mind. You know, you've made me breakfast lunch, and dinner, but, um, there's still one course left. Are you saying what I think you're saying? I'm ready for dessert, Beth.
1: All right, we're back. What went through your head when coming up with the name of your show? That was something. That was one of the things that I kicked around with Lawrence because I, I very much wanted to. M- my first idea was something involving once upon a time because I wanted to have that that feeling of a kind of a fairy tale, not necessarily in terms of how the story itself was was put on on a. I almost said on screen, how it was put down on paper and onto your favorite podcast players, but more just the overall mood. Mm-hmm. Um, that So Once Upon a Time was kind of the where, where it started from. But there are a million things called Once Upon a Time, including a, a very popular TV show that used to be on NBC. Right. Yeah. So I wanted to use that theme, but then also tie it into Fallout. And I don't remember what some of the... Interim names might have been. I don't think I ever thought about using "Once Upon a Time in the Wasteland" because that was a little bit too close to "Once Upon a Time in the West" and all those, all the "Once Upon a Time in Hollywood." So I wanted to to shorten it up a little bit and and bring the two concepts a little bit closer. So "Once Upon a Time," or excuse me, "Once Upon a Wasteland" was I thought a good uh, a compromise to get both of those concepts in there. And it was originally. Uh, the full title was originally a fallout 76 love story because i wanted to make it clear i guess obviously that it was directly tied into fallout 76 so that if people searched for fallout 76 they would find this show and i also wanted people to know what they were getting themselves into like i wanted them to understand this is not a show like modus files or any of the other sort of you know more action-packed lore heavy shows that are out there which most of the shows fall into that category so I figured if people were looking for something different, they would see that and think, oh, well, I'm going to give this a listen. And partway through the season, after talking it over with a few people, I decided to shorten that up a little bit and just call it a fallout story. That and, way you
0: can broaden your 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 listener range to outside of the 76 world,
1: right? Yeah, exactly. Because hmm. And part of it is, you know, there's buzz about the fallout show that's coming out. There is uh, now, obviously, this didn't go into that decision, but um fallout 5 is is it has now been confirmed to come out at some point in i don't know 2075 or millennia. yeah exactly <laughs> but, but all, all these things are ha- uh-huh. all these things are happening and i figured more people were going to search for fallout than would necessarily search for fallout 76 and i also wanted to I, I feel like even though the core of the story is a romance there's a lot more to it than that and i felt like i was limiting my audience by having the love story part in the title like that, because it, it made it sound like that's really all it was about when it really wasn't. There are lore tie-ins. There's callbacks to Fallout 3, to New Vegas, to Fallout 4, as well as 76. There's an overarching mystery. There's some action in there, all that kind of thing. So I felt like it was more reflective of what the show really was. And it's also, it rolls off the tongue a little bit better. And I did see a bump in numbers after I did that. So I think it was a, I think it turned out to be the right decision.
0: Well, it does definitely play into like a spy novel type of story once you get towards the end of there. Mm-hmm. You know, at least that's how it felt like. You know, to me as a listener, it yeah. felt a lot of intrigue and a lot of you know. That's what really was pulling you through. Is oh wow, there's a lot more to this. You know, instead of just being a soap opera, it kind of really goes further deep into it.
1: Yeah, and and, and part of the part of the, the the calculus is you're writing a story like like this that has, I guess, competing parts of the narrative you have the romance and then you have the the mystery where do you put the levels for each of those as you as you go through it i think it what i wanted to do was do it as uh you know ebbs and flows for both of those stories so the people that were interested in the romance got that part and people that were more interested in the mystery side they got that as well but it didn't give short shrift to either of those two in the service of the other which is you know it's it's difficult to pull off and you can't have you know you can't have every episode as like 30 minutes of mystery and 30 minutes of romance. And that's exactly how you have to do it every time. It's, it has to be more, you do it uh, how the story takes you. And that's going to be different in episode to episode. And I think there was more romance in the earlier episodes and a little bit more mystery in the later episodes. But I think that that worked well in service of the story that I wanted to tell. Because it, it showed that the romance, establishing the romance early demonstrated the the importance of that romance to the the mystery part hang on it demonstrated the importance of that romance and that relationship to the eventual resolution of the mystery so i think i had to set one up a little bit more to to make it make more sense in the in the other part of it
0: Yeah, no, and it worked out well because it flowed from the beginning to the end. Like, it was kind of seamless. You didn't really notice that. It was kind of gradual as it came across. So I think it worked out wonderfully. So what do you think is a question that new content creators fail to ask? And, of course,
1: the answer to that question. The question, I think, and I can speak from personal experience, that I – I think a lot of people ask it, but they don't consider it as much as they should. And that is, what are you trying to accomplish here? Uh, I know that another way of saying that is, how do you define success, right? Yeah, what is your goal? Yeah, why are you you doing this? I think that's the question. Why are you doing this? And people say, I have feelings about this, uh, but people say, well, I just want to tell a story. And that's great. If that's what you want to do, tell your story, get it out there and and be happy. You know, that's awesome. I mean, if if, that, if that's what you want to do, if you have a story to tell and getting it out there is is your goal and you're able to do that, that's fantastic. If you have other goals, uh, if you want to make money from it, make sure that's something that you understand up front because that's going to inform how you do what you want to do. Is it just pure download numbers? Is that what you want? Maybe you want uh, to be a part of a community. That was one of the things that I wanted most strongly was to be a a valued and esteemed member of the fallout creative community. That That was was one of the kind of where I'm at.
0: Yeah, Yeah, exactly.
1: Right. So that is something that is very important to me. And uh, larger download numbers are a vector toward that right? So so just because you want one thing doesn't mean that other things wouldn't come into it. The, the money part does not matter to me at all. I don't even run ads in my show. I It's, it's not something that concerns me at all. So that part I can just ignore. Uh, but understanding all those things, wh- why are you here? What do you want to accomplish? Understanding that will help you figure out how to accomplish what you want to accomplish. So wanting to be uh looked at as a as a valued member of the fallout creative community well i can do that first off by telling a good story obviously that's the most important thing but also by social media engagement by being friendly with people just i mean i'm a nice person so that that part came easy you know but but being out there you know interacting with people that that kind of thing you know that that becomes more important if if that's the kind of thing that you want to do if you um if you want to make money, then you can cultivate relationships with sponsors and you can cultivate relationships with patrons, right? Those those kinds of things. So it's really figuring out the, the the reasoning behind why you want to sink the preposterous amount of time and often preposterous amount of money that it takes to get one of these things off the ground because you really got to be invested in it. And having a clear idea of why you're doing it will will help you stay invested because it keeps you focused and it keeps you keeps you kind of, uh, eyes on the the prize as it were. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. I mean, for me, it's the same thing. I mean, in, in a lot of ways, but also this is, I would rather do this than what I do for a living. So I'm trying to get this to where it will end up supplementing my income at some point. So yeah, for absolutely. me, it is partially financial. The true passion behind it for me is the community and the friendships that I've made and the fact that I love to talk. I, I'm, I'm a chatty guy, so I enjoy having conversations. So why not utilize that as a tool to push forward. You know, mm-hmm. if I can make a job out of me being able to have a cool conversation with incredible people like you and Lawrence and, you know, robots and, you know, Kenny and all you guys, to me, that is what better way to make your money in life and then to have great conversations with
1: people. Yeah. and And I think another thing is once you figure out why you want to do it, be unapologetic about it like there is nothing wrong nope there's nothing wrong with with going into this and saying you know what i want to make money from this nothing that 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 there is absolutely nothing wrong with it and it does not compromise the artistic vision of what you are doing if you say well i want to make money from this that that doesn't compromise that no but it
0: has to make you put it in perspective as to how
1: you go about it oh absolutely yeah absolutely absolutely it does but I, i think that there, among among artists and among creators i think there can be And I haven't noticed it in the fallout creative community, but I think there there tends to be a little bit of uh, there can be a little bit of looking down their noses at people who who are more overt about the financial aspect of it. So and I I don't I don't like that just because it's not important to me doesn't mean that that makes the artistic value and the artistic vision of someone for whom it is important any lesser.
0: Right. No. And I don't think so either. And Mind you, I haven't had that feeling come towards me at all. Um, a mm-hmm. lot of the times, uh, I mean, if you look at it, Robots doesn't do this for free, you know, mm-hmm. and he's probably the most successful of all of us. And that's the reason why we go to him, you know, as far as uh, learning and mentorship in a lot of ways. Mind you, i go to Lawrence probably
1: more than anybody. <laughs> well, Mozart didn't work for free right michelangelo michelangelo didn't paint the sistine chapel for free you know right precisely yeah so that that kind of stuff you know i haven't seen it much in the fallout community which is good but it's it's one of those things that i see in in other areas sometimes and it i just (laughs) kind of shake my head like sorry guys that 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 ain't it (laughs) (laughs) so uh what do you got coming up next and where can people reach you well, I'll, I'll do the second part first. The the show's Twitter account is probably where I'm most active, which is Once Upon Seventy Six Pod. My personal Twitter account, which is not quite as active, but it does have contact information. It has my IMDb page. It has my demo reel. That is Reticent Duet. That's R E T I C E N T D U E T. But like I said, I'm much more active on the the uh, the show's Twitter account uh, and my my partner uh, co-producer uh, Vitriol also has access to the, uh, the the show Twitter account so she'll you'll see her tweet from there sometimes as well and she always signs her posts with a V when she when she posts from there so you know we, we I try to share you know just general fallout stuff as well as show updates interactions with, with other podcasters if I see something cool I'll retweet it that's one thing I, I don't I don't do follow for follow and I don't do any kind of um, uh, you know retweet, uh, agreements. So if I retweet something, it's because I think it looks neat or I think it looks cool. Uh, so you, you know is that anything? That I... <laughs> I oh, it is. Know oh that absolutely. <laughs> no, it it, it yeah. absolutely is. And I'm I'm. And, you know, hey, I, I mean, I. it, if people are about the hustle that's what that's you need fine. okay exactly yeah it's, but, but it's, it's not it's not something i i personally do so everything that 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 i retweet does have my personal stamp of approval and i have not been compensated in, in, uh, in i'll
0: put that disclaimer out there i myself i didn't even know it was a thing so yeah, in,
1: yeah in, if i if in, i put some out it's because i thought it was cool yeah, yeah <laughs> it, it, not, not in cash or in kind um but but yeah so so yeah but that's that's it you know i'll show i'll share screenshots or um uh, commissioned art or that kind of thing you know fun, fun stuff like that that's that's what I do and I like to interact with folks in the community so that's so that's a thing uh, you can also you can reach us via email at info at once upon we have a website once upon there's there's art there there are links to every episode and that includes in each episode a link to the script the actual shooting script that we use it's not a transcript um, I would at some point like to get transcriptions of each, each episode. I don't have those right now, but I do have copies of each script, the script that was in the actor's hands as they recorded. So it, it is a way to follow along if, if people want to, or if people just want to see what a screenplay looks like, you know, I guess I'm sure people aren't necessarily familiar with it. Oh, that is one thing. The software that I use to write, I use final draft, which is a really, really good uh, piece of screenwriting software. It has a, a ton of different templates that you can use I use the BBC screenplay format because that's what I'm what I was personally familiar with going in. It's an awesome pro, uh, program. and You can get an academic discount and sometimes they run sales. Uh, sometimes if there's a sale, I'll, I'll retweet uh, that out there because it's a, like I said, it's, it's, it's a really great piece of software. But you don't have to use it. I know a lot of people use Google Docs or they use Word or whatever. And, and that's also totally cool. But I find it easier. It helps my writing flow. To use that particular software and automatically put it in that screenplay format. That was something I didn't think of when oh, we were talking about software. Yeah, because
0: uh, um, I've been using the Google Drive thing uh, just because I used Lawrence's script that he sent me when I did the Modus files. Mm-hmm. Um, I used that to kind of train me because I'm a honestly I'm a high school runaway, and so I taught myself how to write a script as I've been trying to write my own story here going forward one day i'll release it <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> ain't nothing to it but to do it that's what i uh, that, that's what i always say but h- however you get it down getting it down is the important part right um, right and yeah it's 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 what's it's what works for you what works for the actors like one of the things about final draft that i really like and i've the actors have said that this helps is you can go in and you can automatically highlight the lines for a particular actor
0: oh wow in, okay
1: yeah, in, in whatever color you want another thing that it does that helps me is um you can do a cast report, which will list each person, each character in the script, how many lines they have, and how many scenes they're in. So I, I give that, when I, when I write a script, I give that to everybody and say, here's what everybody has this time. Another report that it does is a character report, which is a report for an individual character as opposed to the whole cast, where it says, okay, this character has this number of lines, this number of words. This is what percentage of the lines they have. This is what percentage of the well, the words. This is who they interact with the most. This is uh, and also if they have monologues. Beth had a couple of monologues this season. They have a monologue on page X. So it's it, there's a really robust reporting in there that, That's that can Analytics, help. yeah, it's good. It, it like it can help the actors and it can help you as a writer. And it even has stuff. It has a diversity uh, monitor in it where you can put in the character's uh, gender. Um, ethnicity age all those kinds of things and you can create graphs based on that to make sure if if that's something that's important to you which it is something that's important to me you can keep an eye on as you're as you're writing a script so it's all kind it's 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 great and it's not it's not even all that expensive um but I, I I highly recommend it to anybody who 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 is interested in maybe an easier way and maybe a more robust way to write uh it, it's it, it's worked great for me and I, I think that's one of the things that's that's contributed to, to my ability to get this stuff out in a timely manner and stay on the three week, uh, the three week release schedule that I had established. Awesome. Yeah, um, that was kind of a tangent there. We were talking about how to get in touch with me. Oh, but that, I, I like I those just,
0: tangents because that's all it is. It's more stuff for the listener that, you know, that helps them.
1: So, mm-hmm. and, and, I think, and some of the stuff I think comes from, you know, I, I came to this from a, a formal, tv screenwriting background so i'm used to having more formal things in place so having them in this situation makes me a little bit more comfortable it, it helps things flow a little bit better for me so that's that's one of those things it, it, comfort level is important when you're doing any of this stuff so i think just uh, it gives me a little bit of a warm fuzzy to have that stuff in place
0: comfort helps with the creativity i get mm-hmm. it so uh, do you have anything you'd like to share that you got coming up? Or is it all hush hush?
1: No, there's there's, I'm, I'm an open book. Um, one project that, that we have coming up is there's, uh, Kenny has a project called Frontier, which is, it's a Starfield anthology podcast. Yeah, I can't wait for that. Yeah, it was originally supposed to release, the first episode was supposed to release when Starfield released and and I think that's still the plan. It's just that's no longer going to be in November, so the schedule for us writing and everything got pushed back as well, which is good. It gives me more time to think about it, but I'll be writing an episode of that. I think it's episode five, maybe? I, I forget now, but anyway, one of the episodes in the middle, I'll be writing, and that'll be fun. It's an anthology. There's going to be a lot of different styles to it. Lawrence is writing an episode. Ken is writing, I believe, five episodes himself. And then everybody else that has an episode will you know they'll, they'll have their own take on it, it, it people are not ex- are not being expected to hew to a particular style like they're not expected to write in in kenny's style they're going to bring their own stuff to it which is which is pretty exciting and I, it's been a while since i did anything that was a part of an anthology so that's going to be a lot of fun
0: yeah i saw uh, the only role available so far on ccc was a role for a little kid and I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, come on, give me some rules. I want to try something. <laughs> yeah,
1: I, I already, I already told uh, Vitriol there, there will be a, uh, a, a a strong female lead character in it, and that I will be uh, requesting that she play that role. Uh, I oh, don't have any. Great. I don't have anything at all in mind for the story. Got a couple of really small ideas, <laughs> but that was the one thing that I said I absolutely wanted to that I absolutely wanted to do. So there's, there's that. Um, I'm also writing an episode of uh, Modus Files, one of the bedtime stories episodes for for Beth, which is the you know the, the lead character from Once Upon a Wasteland, because she was yeah. a vault dweller, and these two shows uh, exist in in the same universe. So Lawrence said, "Hey, we, you know, you should write a a, a a bedtime story episode about Beth." So that's something that Vitriol and I are, are collaborating on, and and we're we're working on that. And I, I'm also doing some a couple of extra voices for the uh for the lilith episode of bedtime stories so yeah, that i do will... a janitor in that one <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah it's 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 two characters that i've played before so um uh, my my total number of characters remains at i believe six that i've that i do in modus files now uh so it's, I, I haven't increased that number at all but that's but that's all right um other than that boy uh i'm, I'm gonna be doing some stuff on twitch uh, Vitriol and i have been discussing that a little bit we were gonna co-stream for the uh, uh, play fast for pride but unfortunately with my little uh, extended vacation in Germany thanks to COVID that kind of got derailed so I just tried to help her out with with her stream for that charity but I am going to be working on probably a WWE 2k22 regular stream (laughs) I've, I've been building my universe for that um, I'm
0: so, I'm a big wrestling fan, so.
1: mm-hmm. yeah. And, and the, the first TV gig I ever had was as a wrestling announcer, so that was that was Excellent. fun. But I, I have a picture somewhere. It might be I might have it at the house here, but it might be at my mom's house of me with Sergeant Slaughter with me in a headlock when I was oh, nice, like I, I maybe 13 or 14 years old. So so that's so my bona fides are established. But all that is is it'll be running through a WWE universe playthrough with it with a custom. With a custom show made up of legends and some other some other people, and Beth from Once Upon a Wasteland has a character uh, in there that's inspired by her, and we'll see how it plays out. You know, one of the if if people like to watch it, then we can do things like people can uh, ha- they can have me create specific rivalries between wrestlers and and those kinds of things so that we can have it interactive for folks. So we'll see how it goes. I'm I'm not a big streamer, so it's just something something new to try. Yeah,
0: I've been doing that with the uh, West Johnson's uh, voice Palooza for mm-hmm. autism.
1: So mm-hmm. yeah, we've been trying to figure out, or uh, not, excuse me, Alzheimer's. <laughs> mm-hmm. oh, and, and and in terms of Once Upon a Wasteland, of course, uh, episode ten released on May twenty third. So if anybody listening hasn't listened to it, this is a perfect time to binge. That's I know a lot of people like to wait until the end of the season to listen to a show because. They, you know, they prefer to have all the episodes available so they can just listen to them rapid fire and they, they enjoy just listening to everything at once, which is pretty awesome. Uh, there's also a few mini-sodes in there which are mostly just me talking about a couple of different subjects. There's one where those are about-
0: very good. I actually really enjoyed the one about um, the, your writing comprehension and things like that that mm-hmm. you had
1: in there, that was very helpful for me. Mm-hmm yeah, and and and, and I, I may do some more of those. that's that's the kind of thing that that I might do more of. there There is one that that Vitriol and I are gonna do, which is d- a discussion of the finale as well as the alternate ending that I I don't want to say I almost went with, but that was in consideration for a different way to end that episode. And there're gonna be a lot of people mad about that. So that'll in fact, she even she and I had, shall we say spirited discussions about that
0: well I know you had some controversial elements that you guys were to, uh, tossing around you know leaving in taking out and, yeah yeah that, yeah yeah.
1: The, yeah that um that was good and that's that's one of the things that it's nice to have her as, as a as a co-producer and a, and a script consultant on some of this stuff because she really brings a good a lot of perspective to it and she helped you know modulate some of those things which is pretty good but but she and I will do will do that mini so of course we the the most recent mini that we did was the two of us talking about odessa and um, that, that that I think turned out well. So um, I'll use any excuse I can to talk to her. So we'll certainly be be doing uh, the the that finale analysis and alternate ending thing uh, when things calm down a little bit. Because I know she's continuing to stream. Well, today's the last day of that that uh, that fundraiser, but she was streaming for that, and she has some some other stuff going on that uh, she she will have additional time to uh to hopefully devote to that very soon <laughs> but, but we but we have to, we have talked about it but that's that's uh that's pretty much all there all there is for that right now
0: okay my final question for you today is what key takeaway would you like the listeners to get from your time here
1: well i guess sticking with the, with the theme of your show i think the the main thing to th- that i'd like people to, to take away is if you feel like you have a story in you, you should figure out how to tell it, and it, that could take a lot of different forms. You could you could write it in a novel form, and you can self publish. You can publish it online. You can do an audio drama podcast. You could express it in another way by machinima, for example, like Fallout Five O does. Uh, th- you could become an amateur filmmaker. Th- that that avenue is more accessible than it ever has been. You know, you see those commercials about cinematic mode uh, on an iPhone and I have used cinematic mode on an iPhone. It's pretty awesome. You yeah, know, that's the kind of stuff that you you would do with $20,000 cameras back, uh, you know, maybe, right. maybe 10 or yeah. 15 years ago. But now now anybody who has a $1,200 phone can do it, which is, which is pretty darn awesome. So there are a lot of different ways if you feel that you have a story that you want to tell to get that story out there. And all I can really say is do that. Just take a look around, see what what turns out to be the best way to do it and, and get it out there. There's a lot of ways to do it that don't necessarily cost a lot of money. They'll, it'll take time. That's the one thing that you can't avoid. <laughs> but in terms of, of money, it's, it's a lot more accessible than it used to be. So, you know, th- and there's a lot of room for a lot of different stories. Uh, Fallout is a, is a rich canvas for storytelling. So that really worked out for, for me telling this particular story. But there's a lot of different places and a lot of different universes and make your own universe if you want to um that's that's the kind of thing that's out there the, and i can speak to the audio drama community specifically and the general podcasting community there is no more welcoming and helpful community out there people in this community especially on the audio drama side but even in the discussion podcast side as well that, that we want everybody's to succeed uh, you know a rising tide raises all boats. yep exactly yep and that that is that 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 seems to be the mantra by which these communities operate and i have gotten yeah. so much support from from these communities that support is out there if, if you want to tell a story so just look around see if it's something that you want to do and get your story out there you know it's if, if nothing else you can if nothing else you'll be able to say that that you told your story no matter no matter what
0: yeah, I, I think by finding the Robots Radio Network and getting hooked up with, uh, you know, the their uh, Discord and all that, that led me to everybody else. And that helped me to find, you know, uh, Kenny and his community of mm-hmm. the uh, Stocracy and, you know, everything else really made it really easy for me to learn and grow. And mm-hmm. that's how I am where I am now. That's going to do it for today. I hope you guys enjoyed the show. Uh, Be sure to check out my guest work and uh, keep creating. All right. Bye-bye.
1: This podcast is part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club, a program designed to help all podcasts reach their full potential. For information about joining the Robots Radio Rocket Club, check out robotsradio.net.
0: vault dwellers join me Jax's sassy lady rover, eric and the creator maverick as we take topics from the fallout universe and discuss them with other diverse individuals we can be found wherever you listen to your podcast you can follow us on youtube you can also find us on twitter or x or whatever you want to call it using at fallout rtb you can send us an email using falloutrtd at gmail.com join us the conversation has already started